Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome back to the Train Happy podcast. My name is Tally Rye. And this week I am joined by Dr. Hazel Wallace, who you may know online as the food medic. And we are discussing all things women's health and fitness. Because in the discussion around health and fitness, often we forget about certain things like our periods, our menstrual cycle, and how that impacts our energy to exercise. We also don't think about, you know, having the right sports bra for you. And uh, Hazel talks about this in a far more eloquent manner than I do, but a lot of health and fitness is always seen through a male lens. And so it was really great to have uh, Hazel on today to kind of chat through these things. We also talk about her own relationship and kind of journey with food and fitness. And uh, yeah, we've both come a long way. We've known each other since kind of the beginning of us both getting into health and fitness and sharing that online. So it's so great to have Hazel on the podcast today. Now, if you don't follow me online, you may not be aware uh, that I did a TED Talk recently. Um, it is now available online. I did the TED, it's a TEDx talk um, with the University of Bristol. The talk is called How to Enjoy Exercise and Train Happy with Tally Rye. And I really hope that if you're interested in kind of why I do what I do, I get into it in that TEDx talk, um, as well as kind of introduce you to intuitive movement. And I hope that if the podcast so far has been resonating with you, that you maybe go watch the TED Talk and tell your friends about it as well and anyone you think may benefit from kind of hearing this message. Um, so that's my news for the week. Of course, it is time for this week's Train Happy Trooper of the Week. This week's Train Happy Moment comes from listener Kat. And Kat says... My train happy moment is that I realised I haven't been for a run in a couple of weeks because I've been so busy and for the first time I don't really care. I'm recovering from an eating disorder where running was a massive compulsion and if I didn't run I used to feel so guilty. Feeling free to make my own decisions about movement is huge. Oh, Kat, I'm so happy for you. I'm so happy that you're getting to that point where thinking about exercise all the time isn't consuming so much time and energy in your day and that, you know, moving your body is part of your life, but it's not the obsession. It's not the sole focus. And we're removing that that guilt and shame around it, which is so huge, especially when you're in recovery. So I hope you're so proud of yourself. 
If you want to hear more from this week's Train Happy Trooper of the Week, you can head to our Instagram at Train Happy Podcast, where you can find out a bit more about Cat. We're doing a, a new feature, which I mentioned on last week's episode, um, where we are kind of getting to know our Train Happy Troopers a little better. So go and check out what Cat looks like, and you can kind of see and well read more from her (laughs) Uh, so if you would like to be train happy trooper of the week and featured on the instagram as well please uh, email us trainhappypodcast at gmail.com or you can direct message us on instagram at trainhappypodcast and we'd love to have you following us on there too right enough from me let's hear from this week's wonderful guest dr hazel wallace Hazel, welcome to the podcast. I'm so happy to finally be chatting with you. Um, And our little pre-chat prior to recording makes me think that what I had prepared to ask you is actually very on topic for kind of your work right now. Yeah, absolutely. Well, first of all, thank you for having me on the podcast. And yeah, our pre-chat made me think like we have so much to catch up on. We do. (laughs) We do. We do. Life has been happening so fast, I think. Even though it's felt like life has been physically slow, I don't know. I just feel like emotionally things have been happening even quicker and so no, much as time has passed. It's so true. It's like, I don't know if it's fast or slow, but definitely life is speeding on and people are doing some it's just because we haven't seen each other yeah. and everyone's doing their own things and you're like, wow, so much has happened in the last 15 to 18 months. Yeah, it's like last time I saw you, I was probably like 29, and then next time might be even 31. Like, it's crazy. Wow. It's crazy, isn't it? Um, so, for those of you who aren't familiar with your work, or maybe they're thinking, Hazel, who's Hazel? I know Hazel is the food medic. Um, you are a, I have to like get my hand out to count all the things. <laughs> <laughs> you are a qualified doctor, um, a nutritionist, a personal trainer. You're a content creator, an author, a podcaster. We all know, I mean, I'll forever ask you how you find the time. But um, wow, did you ever envision having this many strings to your bow when you were like younger, um, you know, like teenage Hazel? Was she thinking, do you know what? I'm just going to dominate everything. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think teenage Hazel was that ambitious. I don't know. Um, So I guess... My dad was an accountant and had a business. And so I just thought I would do that because like I was really good at math. And I guess when you're younger and you're good at like math or business, like your parents kind of like push you towards that. And so I didn't really think for myself. Um, And then when I was 14, my dad had a stroke and sadly died. And I think that really made me reflect on my choices and where I was going and what I wanted to do. And so around that time, we had like opportunities to go on placements and things like that. And so I did some time in a pediatric hospital um, and in a pharmacy. And I was just kind of just feeling out like I knew healthcare was where I wanted to go, but I didn't know what it looked like. And then I was like, actually, I think I want to be a doctor but didn't think I would ever get the grades to do it. I didn't know if I had the dedication. Um, 
and anyway yeah so I ended up moving to Wales and studying a degree called medical sciences because I didn't in fact have the grades to do medicine directly and that degree really hammered home to me that I absolutely did want to do medicine um whereas some people on my course did it and they were like actually medicine's not for me so I'm really glad I did that in the first place and it was during that time that I was becoming really interested in the the link between lifestyle and health and my own lifestyle and health and I was a pretty sporty child but at university I I just didn't join any sports and teams which is a really big regret for me because some of my friends who did like they made so many friends through that and so it was around that time I started going to the gym but on my own and like trying to figure that out not really know what I was doing and also um kind of thinking more about nutrition and the link between that and our health. And then I started medicine um, when I was 21 as a graduate entry. And so at that time, I was really thinking about how our lifestyle shape our health, but it wasn't really spoken about within our lectures. And we have to learn so much um, in med school that I'm not surprised that there's no space to kind of talk about kind of other areas of health like exercise prescriptions and stuff like that but we were kind of paying lip service to these things so saying oh like healthy diet um get them to exercise but there is no kind of like how you do that like the behavioral side of things and so that's kind of where my personal interest grew and I started talking about nutrition and I started my food medic blog around that time I trained as a PT also to support that interest and like the advice I was giving out but also to earn money (laughs) as a student um and yeah then like when I got to my final year I was offered like book deals and wrote my books and then moved to London and started my first job as a junior doctor in 2016 um did that for two years took some time out did my master's in nutrition and yeah everything just kind of rolled into one and it kind of feels like everything came full circle but I've never had like a five-year plan or like a one-year plan like I find it really hard to look forward uh I've just been going with my gut and now I'm at this phase where like I feel like where I'm at is where I'm meant to be um if that makes sense (laughs) I think your story and your kind of path to where you are now is actually one of maybe being knocked down a few times and then kind of making it happen, especially like not getting into medical school the first time. I think people see someone like yourself who's had so much success in what they've done and rightly so, because I know how hard you work, but it just shows that you've had to really earn it in a way like you, it wasn't an easy path. And I I do really admire that about you. I always think you're like, of all the people I've met through social media and everything, I think I'm always, yeah, just admire your work ethic and that resilience to kind of keep going, keep um, learning and, and evolving and kind of growing to do what you want to do. And also the, just the ambition. Got to respect it. Got to respect <laughs> it. Um, I'm curious. Yeah. I mean, we met, having very much started sharing online at a similar time I mean we're talking like 2014 maybe even 2013 I'm not sure when you started 
But like that feels like a lifetime ago. That is like eight years ago. It's a lifetime. A lifetime. Um, and we have both grown up so much and like you've done so much and probably had, I mean, a ton of education since then. Um, what do you think about kind of where your fitness journey specifically and like that interest in health and nutrition like started versus where you're probably at now in terms of like, are you doing things differently now? What have you learned along the way? And what did you maybe wish you knew? when you were, you know, that like early in your twenties trying to figure stuff out? Yeah, I think where, you know, eight years ago, I was a completely different person and I, my entry into fitness was more from, I feel like I've lost all of my fitness since my first kind of two, three years in university, which I, I kind of had, um, And I guess it was also wrapped up with um, me wanting to change myself and my appearance initially. And so there was that involved where I I felt like I, I don't know, like I was less worthy of. And so I was, you know, trying to change myself with the gym, which I now realize was not it's not what you do. (laughs) Um, But I guess I'm speaking to you from like a really honest place when I say that. And, and so I had no idea what I was doing. My boyfriend at the time was like taking me to the gym. I was like going on the cross trainer for a very long time, not really enjoying myself, but just counting the calories burned. And that was like, when I got to a certain number that was me done in the gym. And he was a rugby player and was kind of like, Hazel, why don't you, uh, you know, try lifting some weights with me? And so he introduced me to some weights. And I remember, like, the first squat I ever did with a barbell on my back. Um, And I was like, wow, this is actually so much more fun than me just, you know, hammering it on a cross trainer. And that was really where my interest in, like, weights specifically began. And I slowly over the time then started moving towards that and away from cardio and realizing I was like so excited to go to the gym because I was like building up strength, building up weights. Um, And my focus definitely moved from aesthetics to that, but how I looked did matter still. And I guess having a social media account at the time, I was sharing a lot of me and, you know, you get like a lot of praise of how you look And so that reinforces you to look a certain way. And over the years, I've shared less of me. And if you go on my page, you won't really find any of my body, really. (laughs) Um, There might be some training videos and things, but I purposely took myself off. And that's not because I ever had any negative comments. It was because that wasn't really what I wanted my page to be about. And I also didn't feel like I had to tie my level of success to how many likes I got on a photo of my body. Um, And that's no disrespect to people who do share photos of the body completely. That is up to them. And so over the years, yeah, I, as I gained more knowledge, I realized that actually physical activity is so important. I actually did, we were speaking about your TEDx talk, which is amazing, but, and I, I did mine a couple of years ago um, on exercise as medicine. And so I think I always understood 
how powerful it was. Um, and now where I sit with my physical activity is that like I try to make movement as part of my every day but it looks different all the time if people follow me on social media they'll know I'm like very much into CrossFit which you know younger me never thought I would ever be able to do that and I just find that like so empowering um but I also run whereas you know two years ago I was like I don't run I'm not a runner like today, today I went to a Barry's and that was my second ever Barry's. And the only reason I didn't go before is because I thought, well, I'm not a runner, so I can't do that. And then today I was like, well, it doesn't matter. I'm just going to go. And if I don't run as fast as everyone else, that's fine. And so I guess it all comes with age as well. Like, do you know, like you go yeah. through these phases. Um, it also depends on kind of who's influencing you at the time and the people who were influenced me years ago were like I was so impressionable so I wanted to look like certain people I felt like boys would like me better if I looked a certain way whereas now I'm like I'm I've you know I'm gonna be 31 in December I know that my body does not work the same way as it does I mean I'm still very fit but like I'm thinking about like I want to be fit for a long time so I take that into consideration now and like I'm so more so much more like intuitive but I'm also a stronger person and yeah I think we like no one goes on a perfect fitness journey absolutely no one um I totally I totally agree with that I I I think and I've kind of mentioned this before on the podcast as well, like so much of it is about that growing up process and getting to know yourself. And especially through your twenties, it's like that time when you are getting to know yourself. And so when you know you and what you want and what you like and don't like, you can make better choices for yourself. One thing I um, wanted to ask about was, you know, you mentioned about regretting joining sports teams. Do you feel like CrossFit for you is almost like being part of a team? Yes. Having that kind of camaraderie and friendship through exercise, but kind of doing that gym-based stuff that you have gravitated towards, um, but having that, yeah, team, yeah, atmosphere. Yeah, 100%. I feel like I'm like naturally quite like an introverted person so some days I like going to the gym and just being by myself and like putting in my headphones listening to a podcast or music but the beauty of CrossFit is the social side of things the team-based thing and it's like I joined as a complete beginner and like I found it very inclusive as you know like a lot of people say that it's not like it's very like clicky and like you know you have to be like really multifunctional loads of things but like I couldn't do all of those things and there's some things I still can't do but yeah I've you know I've developed some amazing friendships from it as well and we do things outside of the gym so I think for me it was kind of like reclaiming what I didn't have at university and the other thing I wanted to pick up from what you were saying before as well was about how you choose to like not necessarily like show as much of your body on your page and and that being a conscious choice um and like I too in some ways made that conscious choice Mm. to I think because I'm really passionate about a level of like body neutrality and while and I I get sometimes there's a time and place for like I don't know having your you know talking about your body and having that on your page but sometimes literally just showing up as you are as a human being and not necessarily having to comment on your body all the time because 
you've got so much more to offer the world. And I think when I look at your work, and if you go to Hazel's page at The Food Medic, everyone, <laughs> um, you'll see that so much of it is just so informative and educational. And it's about really giving, get, like getting something from your page. Like I go to your page to learn something, to, um, to educate myself, to kind of be inspired to try a new recipe. And I think, I wonder if you feel like actually, um, and like you said, like no disrespect to people who do choose to show themselves online in that way. But do you feel like as you've grown up, you felt like, hang on a second, I'm this, what's the term? It's like multi-hyphenate human <laughs> who, who has all these kind of like strings to their bow. I'm like, I've got a lot to offer the world and I want to talk about those things. And why are we always, especially for women, why are we always keeping it on what we look like rather than talking about the stuff that we actually know stuff about and we want to share and help other people? Yeah, 100%. And the thing is, like, again, coming from a, spa- a place of complete honesty, I know, like, from doing this for years, and you know as well, that, like, it's clickbaity when you include like a picture of yourself, whether it's your face, your body. I know that if I put up a photo of myself with the same caption that I would put under an infographic, that the one of a person will get far more likes and engagement. You know, like I put hours into the work that we do for the those infographics and they sometimes just, you know, they bottom because of the algorithm, because of people's connection. And so sometimes it can feel slightly irritating when you see other people sharing like you know content that they haven't put time into but like because they've got incredible Gymshark leggings on or whatever it is and I have to catch myself and like not be judgmental but like also really focus in on like what's my why what are my values and it's the same when it comes to any work that I put out there I'm like look Hazel I'm so much more happier in myself. Yeah. I feel more confident in the work that I do. I feel more comfortable that I know that people can't comment on my body. And it's not just my body. You won't find anything about relationships on my page. I don't put my family up there. There's nothing up there. And it's it's a protective mechanism. Like that's personal to me. This is my place of work. And yeah, like sometimes I share some personal things in my stories, but I'm a very closed person and that's because I've been stung so many times online. And I, yeah, I 100% get it. And likewise have made a similar pullback because having, you know, done things like vlogs and stuff in the past and gone, do you know what? I, I don't know. I don't want everyone to see every part of my life. I want to have some stuff for me and, you know, very much choose to share on my own terms rather than people expecting you to be an open book, which I think is a really interesting part of like that growing up online aspect like if you've been at it for eight years like wow how much we probably change and and how much our need probably for that validation because I know certainly I I mean even now I love validation don't get me wrong <laughs> like I love it when I put something up and people read my words and yeah. validate my words um I don't feel like my body personally I'm at the point where I don't feel I need to be validated my body needs to be validated but I want people to respond well to my work and your infographics are always so good people should come, <laughs> like them save them share them okay. so I wanted to kind of touch on a lot of your kind of recent topics of infographics and things that you've been talking about online um and a lot of it kind of fits around that female health 
and mm. thinking about how just the bits around kind of health and fitness that we can feel more empowered to know about. I was listening to a podcast today. I don't know if you um, know Glennon Doyle and her work at all, but do you listen to her podcast? I haven't. Okay. I had, it's just. I didn't know she had a podcast. I think it's only been out like a month and it's been on my radar. And I finally listened to an episode today because she did this whole episode about um, why we're at war with our bodies. It was along the lines of that. It's called like our bodies or something. And my goodness, the insights it felt teary-eyed because she was oh. like it felt like going to church I can't explain it it felt like a really like almost like a biblical experience it was really like preaching but in a really great way she just nailed it I can't Amazing. recommend it um but what they were pointing out is like as women and like this I love this part especially they're talking about like as women we're taught so much about how to control the way we look and that and we have much more knowledge in how to diet, in how, well, we think, you know, knowledge in how to diet, how to exercise to look a certain way. But, you know, there's a massive parts about our actual bodies that we don't know enough about as women, because a lot of the things we're told have been told through that patriarchal lens of, like, how can you make yourself, pre- pre- you know, presentable to the male gaze and desirable to the male gaze. And so what we don't know about our own health is stuff like whether it's to do with our sexual health, um, our own bodies, talking about orgasms, they're talking about that. But one thing I wanted to touch on today is things like talking about our boobs and sports bras. And I know this sounds kind of ridiculous and like our menstrual cycle and how that affects our training. But like all of these things are so important to women and their well-being. And yet when we talk about health and fitness, as far as women are often concerned, it is literally about like legs, bums and tums. Let's, you know, let's kind of do crunches, get, a, get, um, yeah, tone your arms, all that kind of chat rather than go, rather than saying like, okay, when you get older and you go through menopause and your bone density starts to reduce, you know, it's all the far less glamorous stuff, but it's so important. So I thought we could get into it and I'm sure you are like passionate about this. <laughs> yeah I'm so passionate okay so let's start let's start with the the sports bra thing because I remember you seeing you talk about this a while ago um and it was something I'd never considered about how like your breast tissue and things can be affected if you I knew about not having a proper fitting day-to-day bra and I've always been passionate about getting measured and having a well-fitting bra I suppose yeah of course the same is true for your sports bra yeah it's yeah it's so fascinating this area of research um I recently stepped into it I think I did a course on it just before Christmas um with the University of Portsmouth and they have a breast health research group looking specifically at breast biomechanics and sports sports and exercise and it was like so mind-blowing that like Every, I was just like, wow, wow, <laughs> this is amazing because it's just this research is available, but it's not talked about. And like most of the sports bras on the market are not scientifically informed. So they're put into like categories of low, uh, medium and high impact, but there's no kind of regulation. Like they don't have to adhere to strict guidance as to whether that they should kind of meet those parameters and put that label on them. So that was really interesting. But the reasons why it's important that we wear 
you know, the correct um, sports bra in terms of support and also fit and making sure it's nice and comfortable. Um, obviously, there's breast pain involved. Not everyone reports pa- pain when they've got um, when they're exercising, but some women do. And that's obviously a barrier to exercise. Then breast ptosis, which is basically means sag. So the sag of the skin um, is another factor. And I was speaking about this before, actually, and someone was like, oh, well, sagging is a normal part of aging. That's absolutely true. But our skin is actually um, one of the kind of things that supports our breasts. And when we're walking, an unsupported breast moves by a centimeter and then by running it's up to 15 centimeters and then star jumps it's up to something like 19 centimeters now I don't have enough I don't have 19 centimeters of breast tissue to move (laughs) (laughs) but just so you know so when I'm when I'm kind of recommending trying on sports breasts to women I'm like always do a sport always do a star jump um so that you can check how much your breasts move and so the other things apart from pain and sag is um also like I mentioned, it's a barrier to exercise and that's reported by women. They're like, I think it's the fourth most commonly reported barrier to exercise and also young girls. So a lot of girls in sport. But from that kind of same research, a lot of them say that if they had the education or if they had the knowledge, um, it would improve their participation. So it's really important there. We have a like, if we start talking about these things, it'll increase the amount of people in sport and exercise. And then also uh, from a performance point of view, it can like impair our performance which obviously is really important if you're like an athlete or you're doing a marathon so when you think about it if you're running we know that like women will hold themselves slightly differently um it even changes our breathing frequency so like you're breathing differently you're moving differently your gait is different and so if you're wearing the right sports bra that's fitted for you you're more likely to run correctly and and kind of perform your exercises more comfortably. So they're just some of the factors that why women need to be wearing the right sports bras. When I think of this topic, especially, um, I know myself, like I have been, I think when I was like 18 years old, I was like an E cup. Then at my smallest, I was probably like an, even an A cup, B cup. And now I'm back to being a double D and I'm like, oh, hang on, I forgot what it's like to have big boobs again. <laughs> and I've had to go out and get a proper sports bra because I got, I kind of got away with having very medium impact, medium to low impact sports bras for a very long time. And I'm, I don't do loads of running, but I notice that when I am bouncing around, even more so now, I'm having to go and get that well-fitting sports bra. And actually your post seat, just so you know, your work is reaching people. Because <laughs> off the back of that, I'm like, okay, Tally, you, you can't, like this isn't healthy and it doesn't feel nice um and you need to make sure that you are going to have that you need to get like strapped down a little bit like yeah that's a nice revelation but I also remember when I was at drama school and like uh three of my really good friends at drama school um all have big boobs bigger than mine bigger than double d probably going into like the g h range and we always had to do jumps in dancing and stuff, especially. And they always just had to like hold them physically with their hands. And it would cause them so much back pain and discomfort. And even though they had, you know, reasonable sports bras and stuff, it's, it is harder for bigger breasted people to um, 
yeah to get that comfort and you're right like it can be a massive barrier to doing certain things so you know my best friend at drama school who's um abby she would never dream of going on even now even though she she's really hot on getting a good fitting sports bra but for her she'd feel like she could never go for a run because of her boobs yeah it's it is hard isn't it it's so hard and I you know in the research um they always recommend different sports bras based on your breast size so A to C is considered small and then C plus is considered like larger breasted women and so for kind of C above you want to go for one that's compression so compresses the breast but also encapsulates so like Mm -hmm. like it has a cup like a molded cup that lifts each breast individually but even with that, um, like a lot of women will message me and they're like, I have to wear two sports bras to keep yeah. me strapped down. Yeah. Or what's more difficult is, um, and I've looked into this and I know there's lots of difficulties with, when it comes to manufacturing, but also obviously some women, a lot of sports bras aren't going to be um, fitted in the same way as a normal bra. So they won't have back size and cup size, only the ones that are encapsulated will. And so if you buy a sports bra, that's say just an average large, um, which most low and impact, low and medium impact sports bras will, the issue there is you might have larger breasts and a smaller back or vice versa. And yeah. so they don't match up. And so it, I do get for like women who have larger breasts, it can be so tricky to buy or find the right sports bra. But I definitely do recommend going in and having a fit and you know there's lots of things to consider when it comes down to finding one even you do want good support but you also need to make sure it fits you right so we all have like different length torsos one boob is going to be bigger than the other boob like so many different factors um but yeah I have done lots of posts on my page and like kind of what makes good straps what makes like the right fit around the underband and things like that so if people want to learn more then do check out those posts are there any brands you recommend or who cater to like more that kind of technical sports bra there are ones you know there's specific ones that are kind of um I think all the sports bras or sports brands that we know in the top of our head um like Nike and Reebok and things like that they're all starting to pay a bit more attention to the fact that we need to be catering for these bras um I think you know Sweaty Belly, Lululemon all of them also do but again there's such a spectrum in terms of the bras that they offer and I typically see a lot of women going for the ones that look good um and they're typically (laughs) <laughs> yeah and they're you <laughs> it looks good but it's probably the one that's low impact for yoga and you're doing burpees in it and you know I'd be you know I do that too but like yeah I work I work closely with um wit which is like a sportswear retailer and we've been I've been like consulting with them on like getting sports bras and stuff and we may be working on something in the future Ooh. so tbc <laughs> i should also recommend my like i said mentioned my friend abby she is a massive panache sports bra sports panache sports bra um fan and she's always you know like those shock absorber panache style ones as well the only thing is they're not always necessarily like as cute 
yeah I really love, that's I the teach, issue well I'm a massive sweater and when I teach especially I will teach in a crop top always um because it's like I don't want to waste I don't want to wash extra clothes if I don't have to to be honest um oh. and I've had to get like the more kind of technical one um because sometimes you feel like it looks like a bra and when you want to wear it as like a top you know there's yeah, that that's so kind of true. fashion issue there's a fashion yeah. issue but I'm sure they're not necessarily studying the fashion issue in the research <laughs> but um, I feel like that's an important factor because all of yeah. the, the all of the best ones are quite ugly so yeah, exactly so we need cute we need cute sports bras that support us so kind of keeping on the theme of your boobs and then going into thinking about our menstrual cycle because I don't know about you but I find that my uh, like this week my boobs are tender I'm probably going to be in my period next week I know it's coming and I find that they are yeah I'm feeling it more and if there's any movement I feel it more um and I know you've also spoken a lot about how our menstrual cycle impacts our energy for training and kind of when it's best you know when it's best to be most active and have more rest and stuff in terms of our menstrual cycle I would love to know more about this <laughs> and would love to hear to kind of hear what you've been finding out yeah it's so interesting I love it as well um like caveat there's like not that uh, you know there's not that much research in this field but the research that's coming out is really interesting and so um the more and more we talk about it the more research that will be funded in this field but like giant caveat that I'm like this won't be for everyone so when it comes to the menstrual cycle like just brief overview um textbook cycle is 28 days but not many people are 28 day cycles so don't panic if you're not um and there's two phases so you've got your follicular phase and then you've got your luteal phase which is the second phase and then ovulation is sandwiched in between on day 14 typically and so across the cycle obviously our main hormones are estrogen and progesterone that are cycling and so if we look at the very start of the early follicular phase which is when you have your period like day one to day five typically at this time you've got low estrogen and progesterone and you're also going to have like typical period symptoms so like menstrual pain tender boobs whatever symptoms that you suffer from and so at this time most people have and this is what the research shows like kind of reduced willingness to train and motivation so they just really cba um and <laughs> And also your period in and of itself is an inflammatory process, which means like your body is pretty stressed as it is. So you're going to recover slowly. So around this time, if you feel well enough, it, I actually do recommend a bit of movement because um, moderate intensity exercise can actually improve menstrual symptoms like even this research into yoga can improve menstrual pain so if it feels good for you and you're not like bed bound with a water bottle and if you are actually you should speak to your doctor about that but if you feel okay definitely do some gentle exercise but probably don't go all out right now um, because of all of the reasons I've just mentioned. And then as we move towards ovulation, estrogen comes up and peaks. And right now, like in the days leading up to ovulation, your motivation's up, your energy's up. Um, estrogen is anabolic, which means it helps 
build muscle. So if now's the right time to like start building muscle, start making your strength gains, lift those heavy weights, do high intensity exercise, um, and progesterone remains low. So that is kind of like your window of opportunity. This is kind of what most of the research shows. And so actually focusing all of that training in, in that phase seems to be a bit more beneficial than offloading it all into the second phase. And so that continues around ovulation. Um, estrogen begins to drop, but it's still quite high. And actually testosterone is high around ovulation. So you continue that like high motivation, energy, lifting heavy weights. Um, the only thing around ovulation as well, and I know I'm giving loads of information here, but there's some um, increased risk of ACL injury, which is a ligament in your knee. That's Have so you- interesting. Um, is it right that, I don't know if I saw you talk about this or someone else, that like ACLs are more common in women? Yeah. Injuries? Yeah. I like- can't believe that. Yeah, it's it's really interesting. Um, so there's more knee laxity, which uh, around this time because of all the hormones, and so that causes increased risk of ACL. So when I say this, I'm like, you don't have to stop exercising, but if you're in like a sport that requires like multi-directional changes, like football and stuff, just make sure you warm up properly and just you know be a bit more aware of that. And then moving into the second phase, we're in our luteal phase now and kind of mid luteal phase, progesterone and estrogen are both high. And like we already said that estrogen is like positive towards our training um, in terms of like energy and like substrates and everything. And like right now, there's some evidence that like kind of maybe, well, theoretically, maybe doing a bit more endurance training right now is a good time, a good time to do it. The only thing is progesterone, like kind of um negatively impacts estrogen and that like it counteracts it essentially and so around this time progesterone is also causing you to feel bloated retain more water it increases you've got like increased temperature around this time as well um which can also impact your sleep which can then impact your performance and like your precision so again coming closer to our period we're coming up to pms time now is the time I would take like a, you know, a few more rest days, maybe trim it back a bit. You do not want to be doing like precision training right before your period. And that just brings us full cycle. So again, like if I was to summarize it, we think that most performance strength gains is in that follicular phase um, and kind of the late follicular. And there may be a dip in performance kind of around your period um and yeah and when I say this I'm talking about women who are not on hormonal contraception which is like another topic (laughs) yes it is um I was when you're saying that I think that must be so interesting for um athletes and people who are trying to like the Olympics are coming up right and managing trying to line up your period imagine if you're on your period at the Olympics does that completely not completely undo but that's potentially like giving you a slight disadvantage yeah but I mean it's also individual and like yeah you know some people have periods and don't get any menstrual symptoms at all uh I think Paula Radcliffe Radcliffe famously won like one of her medals on her period and spoke about it um well she won some marathon I can't recall which one she's won so many she's won so many things (laughs) but she publicly talked about the fact that she was on her period during the time um 
so yeah it's I think right now like coaches are taking kind of women's menstrual cycles a lot more seriously which is amazing the only thing is like when it comes to athletic populations there's also like this huge kind of incidence or prevalence of menstrual disorders because they're training so much that a lot of them have no period or irregular periods um and that just goes to show how like yes our periods can influence our performance but also we can impact our periods and our ability to conceive by training or overtraining and under recovering. And so I suppose it goes without saying, except I'm going to say it, that if we are, if you are listening and you have lost your period and you're exercising heavily and, um, or you're super stressed or your period started to be quite intermittent, then time to see your doctor yeah there's there's so many causes of like amenorrhea which is loss of periods but in an exercising population of women so in like active women so frequently it comes down to um this so it's not always overtraining. the issue is kind of uh low energy availability is what we call it and basically either you're expending too much energy or you're not consuming enough calories, or a bit of both, usually a bit of both. Um, And, you know, sometimes this happens unintentionally, like you may have, you know, come out of lockdown, and you're going back to the gym, you're doing loads of classes, or you're doing, you know, new classes, new training, you're running more, but you're eating the same, and your periods have gone haywire. If you're training more, you got to eat more. It's like, it's just energy balance. Um, But also we know that stress, like you mentioned, can impact that. So if you're going through a stressful time at work and and your periods are a bit haywire, that's another thing to factor in. So there's so many things. Um, It's like our menstrual cycles are so, they're like a thermostat for how we're doing, (laughs) which is why it's so important that we really tap into them. Yeah, the more kind of, I suppose, the more sort of consistent and regular, that's a good indication that things are going okay I suppose yeah absolutely okay um I suppose yeah that like that kind of leads nicely on to thinking about like going into menopause as well and thinking about that the kind of physical aspect um and what are the kind of physical changes I suppose uh, there's so many ways we could approach this what are the what are the the kind of physical things we might need to consider now in preparation for menopause. Maybe we'll start there. And yeah. then go into, for those experiencing the menopause, how can exercise support them? Yeah, absolutely. So I guess, you know, the with any main hormonal transition in a woman's life, be that puberty, pregnancy, postnatal, perimenopause, menopause, these are all periods where our hormone profiles change and after the menopause it's estrogen that declines um gradually it happens quickly in women who have had like a surgical menopause um so they've had their ovaries removed for whatever reason but in a natural menopause it will it will happen gradually and estrogen is not just important for orchestrating reproduction and and kind of giving us a period every month it's like involved in so many other processes and 
um, has receptors on many other organs in our body, including like our brain and things like that. Um, it's also really important for bone health, um, which is one of the reasons why after the menopause, there's an increased risk of osteoporosis. Um, but also there's some other research around, you know, the fact that there's some cognitive decline perhaps after the menopause because of this loss of estrogen. Um, and we know that estrogen is also cardioprotective, so it's good for our heart. And so there's increased risk of heart disease after the menopause and things like that. So there's loads of different things going on. Um, and so I guess when it comes to exercise, it's, it's not that it's never too late. If you're listening to this and you've gone through the menopause and you haven't really had an active adulthood, it's not too late. You can absolutely start now. But we um, continue, like we reach our peak bone mass in our 30s or like, well, up to our 30s as women. So you've kind of, I mean, you and I have just gone past 30, but doing exercise prior to that um, and also throughout your uh, teenage years when you're building that bone mass and really laying down those foundations is absolutely critical um, because then after those years, after our 30s and as we get as we age, we start to lose a bit more bone mass and then that we lose a lot more after our menopause. Um, and so the ways that we can protect our bone mass, um, exercise re is really important, but it's not just any kind of exercise. So you need to be doing weight bearing with some form of impact. So there's some research to say that actually and I was surprised by this, that walking isn't enough. Um, so, and I'm not saying you need to do high impact exercises every day, but if you're only doing walking as your form of physical activity, maybe involve some hiking where it's a bit more like impact on your joints and your bones and a bit more muscle strengthening or doing things like um, hops, um, any kind of jumping activities um which are you know you're getting loads of sports dancing those kind of things um anything that changes direction is really positive so again dancing football anything like that that's like shearing the bone and the muscle and also muscle strengthening exercises are bone strengthening which i hammer home all the time so lifting weights the more you strengthen your bones the more you strengthen your muscles, you're strengthening your bones because your muscles are pulling on your bones. And so they're the really important things when it comes to bone health, but also diet's so important. And so, you know, right now there's like lots of headlines like, oh, we're going to have an epidemic of osteoporosis because like no one gets enough calcium anymore. Um, and like a lot of people have cut out main calcium rich foods like dairy and stuff like that. So obviously dairy um, is a source of calcium and calcium is really important for your bones. You can get it from other sources. So if you are not consuming those foods, make sure you're getting fortified versions um, or looking for alternatives. Um, that's not to say there's no calcium in, in, other, in other foods. Like you can get it in like things like tofu and seeds and things like that. So just be mindful if you're removing food groups. Uh, vitamin D is really important for our bones, um, which we don't get enough of in the UK. So throughout kind of the months of October to March, it's recommended that we take a supplement there. Uh, and for some people, they need to take it throughout the year. Another things like protein um, is really important for your bones, like getting enough dietary protein. And there's a couple of other minerals and things like that. Um, 
there's really a long list. But in general, without getting bogged down on individual nutrients, once you're having a healthy, balanced diet, you're not cutting out major food groups. And if you are, for whatever reason, just make sure you're accounting for that. And that would be the best advice. Yeah, it's, I suppose that's like a lot to consider. Like I said, that we don't necessarily like think about and bone density isn't necessarily the sexiest topic, <laughs> but it's going to, you know, stand you in good stead. And as you grow older, you, you know, hopefully going to reduce the risk of like falling, breaking bones. Um, for those who might be more at risk of osteoporosis, are they more likely to get things like hip fractures and stuff like that? Yeah, so that's that's the thing. Um, the risk is that you will have a hip fracture or a fracture. And that's, you know, that sounds bad in itself. But also when you're an older person, if you have a fracture, you also have an increased risk of other problems. So like most people who fracture their hip, they fall. Uh, sometimes if they live alone, no one finds them, you know, straight away then they end up in hospital, they get pneumonia, there's a lot of rehab. So there's a lot of knock-on effects. Mm -hmm. Um, The other thing is like, we want to keep people, we don't want just people to have like a long life. We want people to have a long, healthy life. So I always think like, what do you want to be able to do when you're 80? Like, do you want to be able to squat down and pick up your grandchild? Well, that's a goal to work towards and you need to start today if that's what you want to do. Yeah, definitely. my poor grandma is getting older, a lot less mobile. And it does kind of make you think like, right, it's important to, um, you know, there's many factors as to why she's that way. But, you know, think like, okay, I need to make, you know, try for as long as possible, kind of do stuff where I can. And um, even if that's the simple fact of um, almost like squatting down to sit on the sofa, <laughs> you yeah, know, yeah. thinking about that. And it seems like just a little thing. Um, and I always remember when we were, when I was doing my personal training course forever ago um talking about this idea of like being able to kind of live a bit more independently as you get older and you know be able to kind of take yourself to the loo and wash yourself and those sorts of things mm. that I think a lot of people fear not being able to do that for themselves as they get older and it's just yeah. like those little things can can really build up and when I'm always talking about intrinsic motivation and ways to really kind of drive it home to yourself of you know, why it's important to kind of have those regular movement practices for you. These are the re- these are the kind of things, you know, these are the kind of benefits. It's so true. I like one of the things I didn't mention is like, which I found in the research, um, like a really strong link is not like, well, and I, it makes sense, obviously, but like not having enough energy available. So not having enough calories, Obviously, if you don't have enough calories and you're doing exercise, it's not going to support your bone health. And so there's some research like even like, well, it was done. I think there were CrossFit athletes um, and it was a really small study. It was like five men and five women. But like they were calorie restricted for five days. And even though they were doing exercise, they thought maybe this would counteract the effects of that. And the men didn't show decreased bone formation, but the women did. After five days of calorie restriction, and I'm like, there's people on diets for years. <laughs> so people spend the whole life. We need not, to think it. <laughs> yeah, people spend the whole life just eating enough and not actually like satisfying themselves and not fueling themselves in the way that they need. And it's. I found that. Yeah, I was like, whoa. Um. So yeah, there's like 
there's so many things and to be honest like when like we were speaking about earlier when I was 21 I didn't really care about my bone health I was like whatever (laughs) so if you are 21 and listening like please do care because it's just you know even now that I'm like looking at like my mum and my aunts and whatever like I'm like I don't want you to not be able to do those things and like it's just this is why like exercise prescription and medicine is something that I'm really passionate about we just haven't really gotten to the point where it's like there's like not a clear referral system or that kind of service isn't available and like now that I've come through medicine I've worked as a doctor for a few years I don't think it's a doctor's role to be doing that on top of their job like I don't think they can advise I think they can give generic advice but they can't really prescribe a training program for you whereas like when I was starting out I had like these grand ideas that like doctors would be prescribing exercises and nutrition and like supplements and I'm like okay Hazel think about all the things that they have to do (laughs) I'm like yeah but I do feel like there's space within our healthcare system for exercise integration yeah that that kind of collaborative team effort um I remember when we spoke to Dr Joshua kind of going like you know this there's a reason people specifically train in dietetics and nutrition you know there's a reason you went back and did a master's degree in nutrition because you can't let you know you like you have to like really specialize and a doctor needs to like really know their stuff on one thing. And then Mm. equally the dietitian needs to know their stuff on the other thing. And when you work together, that's what the team's all about. And therefore people get the best kind of care. And like, I agree with you. I would love there to be, and something I really would love there to be is there be a opportunity for people to be referred for exercise without the pressure necessarily that it's got to, have a massive weight loss outcome for example but that it that, that it's teaching people and giving people access to exercise that they may not have had and, yeah and actually how important that can be um as a way to kind of support your physical health your mental health um because i i just think often people obviously like taught the tools to diet and especially with exercise they're taught to exercise with to diet they're not necessarily taught to exercise for that long-term well-being and therefore like choose the different types of exercise that are going to support their health long-term and that's specific to them like you mentioned people might just go and go on a you know a cross trainer Mm. and then they're not doing that weight-bearing exercise that we know is so important so you know I think it would be yeah I, I agree with you I think it would be really awesome to kind of have that opportunity um with that being said, I would love to know if there are any kind of benefits of exercise that you've come across that have maybe surprised you or you feel like we really need to give this more airtime, we need to talk about this. Mm. Is there anything that's kind of come up where you're like, hold the press, like stop the press, <laughs> we need to talk. <laughs> yeah, I think, well, I mean, I feel like all of the benefits of physical activity are like never sexy enough for for people like um I think most people's entry into fitness is often appearance or weight loss related or maybe it's performance related but then we know that like regular physical activity can like drastically reduce your risk of like mental health disorders like depression and anxiety uh dementia certain forms of cancer like breast cancer um 
can reduce your risk of like obviously cardiovascular disease and stroke, reduce blood pressure, improve blood glucose control. It's basically like, you know, and, and we mentioned earlier the bone health benefits, but also aside from that, there's things like improved self-esteem and self-confidence in people. Um, and then there's like things that we don't really talk when we uh, talk about as well outside of that, which is like the social connection, which we, we briefly touched on, the side of community. Um, so there's kind of all of these far reaching effects of exercise. And I think we can't really lend it to one modality of exercise. So when I, when I say that, I mean, like, I think everyone always assumes that when we talk about getting healthy through exercise, it has to be cardiovascular training. And I think that's so important, but it's what's equally important is the muscle strengthening side of things. And like in our government recommendations, we should do, you know, excellent number of minutes, 150 minutes of moderate intensity exercise, blah, blah, blah. But on top of that, we should do two days of muscle strengthening exercises. And that part's always forgotten about. And like, we know that resistance training in whatever form, whether it's body weight, whether it's bands, whether it's weights, whatever you want to do, improves things like insulin sensitivity, which is really important for things like type 2 diabetes and risk of that and gestational diabetes and PCOS and all of these diseases that are related to that, but also improves a bone strength, like we spoke about before, um, increases independence, reduces the risk of falls, can also improve things like uh, risk of depression. And so yeah I think there's not one thing that like there's not many things that I can list that exercise doesn't improve when it comes to health like even even if you are diagnosed with osteoporosis the advice isn't to stop exercising it's to continue exercising and to start if you don't so I'm all I'm all for it And I'm right behind you, like, yeah. <laughs> um, I feel like, I don't, I feel like, yeah, if you haven't seen my TED talk, I literally talk about this very topic and because the things you're saying, I was like, see, I was barking <laughs> up the right tree. But yeah. it's so true. And I think that's so important about that kind of confidence and self-esteem aspect and, and that connection aspect, which has obviously, I think, people taking a big hit in that area especially recently and Mm. so like the way you talk about you know how CrossFit has been that opportunity for that social connection for you as well and would you say that's one of the key reasons why you choose to continue with it as well like not just the physical aspect but that social connection is like a really important part of what makes CrossFit CrossFit yeah absolutely I think because I've been doing it for so long exercise has become like very habitual for me and not in a negative way that it's like automated in that like it's a key part of my like morning routine and it sets me up for the day and like speaking about other benefits I feel like I'm more productive I'm more alert and we know from the research that it does improve those things and like improves learning so like I feel like I I do it for those reasons but having like CrossFit for me was like this yeah it was exercising but I felt like I wasn't going for those reasons Mm -hmm. I was going for the fun for the challenge for the social connection and like some days when I go to the gym solo I almost feel like it's a little bit depressing and dystopian (laughs) because like people are just like on these treadmills like (laughs) lifting weights especially when it's like quite empty and there's like not really a vibe and you're like 
what is going on? Why are we all in this structured building? Just- I, I've, like, <laughs> I've looked around so many times, especially like the past year when like gyms reopened. I just thought, wow, we all look so miserable. <laughs> like, we just look so like, why are we all here? We pay for this. I know. It's it's like we're doing our grocery shopping. It's just so weird. Yes. It, do you know what it is? That's so funny. <laughs> but also, I'm really passionate about telling people, like, it doesn't have to... If you go to the gym and you feel like, I am really not enjoying any part of this, but I feel like I should be here. Yeah. That you can really think broadly. And, you know, you can do amazing things that involve, like we said, like resistance and cardio, but could be, you know, doing dancing, which... If you've ever done any sort of dancing, there's it can really vary, like through resistance, cardio, plyometrics. Mm. It actually ticks so many boxes. Um, there's so many, there's you know so many different things you can do. Um, yeah, that we kind of just literally get trapped in the box, and then we're yeah. all there like we should be enjoying this. Uh, I know. Do it's, we enjoy it? it? It is, you're right. I've had the exact same thoughts. <laughs> it's, I'm just, yeah, I like, I mean, I think if someone is in that position where they're like going to the gym every day and it's like a task that they do not want to do and they're not enjoying it, like either change your program or like get a PT to help you like design something that's like a lot more interesting to you or just like sack the membership and start going to classes because find what works for you like when I walk into like a crossfit box it's like loud music there's a coach there's my friends we're like it's like this energy that I'm just like vibing off for like an hour even when I used to go like pre-work at like the 5 30 6 30 classes and like I would be absolutely knackered and then I'd get there and I'd be like yes this is a vibe and then I'd finish and I'd go do a 12-hour shift in the hospital and people would be like how did you get up and train before work and I'm like because like that's the only thing I've done in my day for me and I absolutely love it when I'm teaching I'm always saying to people like this is your time for you and just this is precious Mm. so don't don't spend the next 45 minutes like beating yourself up why would you waste that precious me time speaking negatively to yourself like if that is if this is your opportunity for the day like I teach a 7 30 a.m class on a Thursday which is the day we're recording and I always think like this should set you up for the rest of the day when you're leaving here on a high I don't when you're leaving here being like oh glad that's over yeah you know you want it to feel like it's propelled you into the day that's yeah. how I want to kind of make the people in my class kind of feel um so I don't know if you mentioned it on the podcast, but we've already chatted about it pre-pressing the record button. But you had kind of worked as a COVID doctor and a and a long COVID doctor. Is that right? Um, yeah. This this year and working with COVID last year, um, and you know we are seeing the new variant in the UK cases rise, and I know that that variant is kind of going around the world as well. Um, and people are hopefully getting as with vaccinations are experiencing less serious symptoms um but for those who have had the kind of uh, the effects of long covid and then are also experiencing covid and are kind of wondering what to do should they move should they not move even if they've kind of got mild symptoms like what's the advice around that and returning to exercise so looking at covid first um 
first of all the advice is like not great <laughs> in terms of like because it's such so new that we're still like kind of getting to grips with what the official advice is and to be honest for like for any kind of flu like illness it's pretty samey same um so yeah for background I've worked in some COVID capacity for basically all of the pandemic up until April so for short for acute COVID so COVID that you are currently sick with the advice is you shouldn't really start exercising until seven days after you are asymptomatic so once you've stopped having symptoms seven days after that if you feel well then start and that should be a phased return so we don't really have any public advice on this but this is from a guidance that like I've come across in the British Medical Journal and I um did an infographic on it but it's kind of like a phased return over five weeks it's pretty self-explanatory it's kind of like the first week is preparing to exercise the second week is like walking and doing gentle stretching and the third week is like low to moderate so doing kind of maybe starting to jog maybe doing it like some yoga and then you're building up to kind of your fifth week where you're back to your kind of pre-covid exercise that's all well and good but from my like from my experience not many people can get there after covid some people who are asymptomatic from the get-go and just test a positive yeah you'll be fine but i know as someone who, who also had covid i felt like i was very short of breath for a long time after having covid so when i say every week you should be building up if you get to the end of your seven days and you're and you feel like at that stage you're struggling just stay in that one phase if you get to a certain week and you feel like you develop new symptoms like shortness of breath that doesn't go away when you rest or chest pain or palpitations, then you should go see your doctor. So there's not really any guidance. You just have to go on how your body feels, but just please don't rush back into it because some people are like, I feel great. And then they, they try to go back and they're like, oh my God, I cannot breathe. Yeah. I've heard that kind of anecdotally from people thinking, right, I'm, Good, and I know um, we had the previous guest, Florina Bell, and she we did an episode about this and her experience with kind of long COVID and her return to exercise, and um, so you can find the episode back in the archives. But she was saying that, like, she could feel good, have a really good day, and think, right, tomorrow I'm going to start training again, and she specifically does powerlifting. And then she'd do one training session and wipe her out for the, yeah. you know, for the next week. And yeah. so it was a really like humbling experience thinking, oh, okay, it's going to take me a long time to build this up. And I, and I think she has slowly got there, but it's taken months, you know, rather yeah. than the weeks that she initially thought. So long COVID um, is so interesting. And from January to April, I ran a COVID clinic, a long COVID clinic, and we were the I think the first in the UK and were really, really busy. Um, and that was so eye-opening because a huge proportion of our patients were young um, in you know, similar age category to us. And a huge proportion were women who were previously fit and healthy. And so some of them had, you know, really non-significant symptoms of COVID, and yet nine, 10, 11 months down the line they're really debilitated. Now, kind of long COVID or post-COVID syndrome, like the definition is having um, symptoms beyond 12 weeks that can't be explained by anything else. Because we're still like understanding what 
long COVID is, there's like a huge umbrella as to like what the symptoms could be. And people have different types of phenotypes when it comes to this. So some people predominantly have like chest symptoms. So like chest pain, palpitations, that kind of thing. Some people have feel like they're short of breath, can't fill their lungs, chest tightness, that kind of thing. Some people have mainly neurological symptoms, some people dermatological symptoms. Fatigue was like the the main symptom that people have been reporting and that I'm hearing. And so we find after any viral infection, you can get like a post-viral fatigue. It's quite common. Um, And it usually does self-resolve, but it's really hard when you're, and not just for me because it's for the patient but like when you're in clinic with someone who's like I've been fatigued for 12 months like people have been leaving their jobs because they're so fatigued and these are like really active people who were running 10ks and so the advice there is what we do is um we call it pacing and so it's kind of like working within your limits but not going above your threshold essentially and so in our clinics um there's it's kind of dual doctor physio clinic so after you see a doctor you go into the physio and they'll teach you kind of about pacing techniques so just kind of speaking out loud if you are in the UK there's like over 60 clinics NHS um long COVID clinics so speak to your GP if you feel like you have long COVID and you need support because there's support there but yeah, the pacing advice can be really hard to take if you're someone who's really active, you're really proactive, because you find that like doing, you know, the simplest things can just really knacker you. Um, And so we just try to get people to break it down into little chunks. Um, And if that means, you know, doing 15 minutes of housework, as opposed to cleaning the entire house, that is your goal for the day. Um, You know, it's easier said than done. And we've been doing like, we were trying to do some like testing and there's some research going on as to why people are fatigued. And there's lots of theories. We don't fully understand it. Um, But yeah, I would say to someone who's suffering from long COVID that pushing through the tiredness or fatigue is not the right answer. You need to really, really listen to your body. And it might take a bit of a hit to the ego, And also just to also reiterate that physical fatigue and mental fatigue go hand in hand. So if you have a really long day at work where you're looking at a screen, that's not the day to try do, um, you know, a 5k walk, you know, you're going to feel tired. And so I found a lot of people beating themselves up about that, especially people who also have children to look after. And, you know, like, during lockdown people were like homeschooling trying to have a job suffering from long covid trying to be active you really have to put all of these things into perspective but i have seen people come through it so just fyi there is light at the end of the tunnel that's really positive to hear and i hope that if there's anyone listening kind of going through it or knows someone who's going through it then they can yeah share that message of hope <laughs> um i want to finish our chat today by asking you um, Hazel, what has been your most recent train happy moment? <laughs> um, so I last week I had a really busy, I think it was last week, I had a really busy week and I didn't train for quite a few days in a row. And so I had was working it from home on a Friday and I got up, rolled my mat out, 
was like, I'm going to train here. I left it too late to book into the gym and you have to book in. So I had to do it at home. And I was like putting it off all morning, but I was like, I'm, I'm going to do it. I have to do it. Like old mentality, have to get it done. And like sat down, I was doing one, of, I was doing like a fit workout, which is like an app 10 minutes in. And I was like, just crying. Like I was just crying because I was so tired, didn't want to do it, was not motivated to do it. Got up, had a shower, changed, took myself for a walk and a coffee and a podcast instead. And so, yeah, and I felt so great afterwards, but I had to like catch myself and be like, why are you doing this? So you don't have to do this. (laughs) Like you don't have to do this. And my form of movement was walking, which I probably don't do enough of like now that I'm doing a lot of like working from home, researching that kind of thing. So that was my train happy moment, I guess, like a bit of a realization. You won't be the first person, I think, to have had that realization sometimes to be like, hang on a second. And also like the the realization of like, hang on a second. I'm a full grown adult. I have full autonomy over the situation. I can stop if I want to and I don't have to finish this. And that's okay. I think that's a huge lesson. Yeah. But like, the thing is, what, what I think I was trying to compute in my head is I usually feel like exercise is therapeutic for me. And it wasn't in that moment. It was not in that moment. Like I, I was dealing with a lot and I, I needed to deal with that. I didn't need to exercise. (laughs) I didn't need to punish my body. I needed to, to just get outside and have a moment. Just be, Just be, just be. Yeah. And which is really hard. I think, as things get busier things open up more like being it feels like it's sometimes harder to be and harder to embrace yeah and I, I don't know about you but I get a bit antsy when I have the, the thought of like uh I just just chill out now like okay yeah yeah that's don't do it. that enough but like it's so good for us I know but then during lockdown we were like embrace the sloth life and I'm like yeah. Can we continue a small amount of that, please? I would like I that. need that. I need that. I need that. I need that. I need that. Um, <laughs> where can everyone find you, find all these infographics, keep up with all the information? Um, I think they, I think, like I said, if you're, if you're really interested in more of this kind of like educational side, Hazel is your girl. Thank you. I feel like we really bigged up the infographics. <laughs> <laughs> I think they're really well uh, this is a genuine compliment I make infographics and yours are far superior and professional than mine uh well I do all the writing but my lovely Jemima who's been working for me for years she actually mocks them up so shout out to Jemima for oh, her hard very work good. Well done, <laughs> um but you can find me on everything under the food medic it's really self-explanatory like all the social media platforms but I really only focus on Instagram our website we have an educational hub and we've got like loads of guest contributors so you'll find everything from like mental health physical health nutrition tons of recipes that kind of thing on there it's all free for you to use um, my podcast is the food medic and I've got two books the food medic and the food medic for life yeah other than that that's me I'll link you all below <laughs> in the in the info box and then everyone can find you but it's been a real pleasure thank you so much oh for your thank time you today. i hope we can have a proper catch-up outside of this as well me too me too <laughs> it's, it's on record now we have to do it yeah. <laughs> 
And that is it for this week's episode of the Train Happy Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you took something away from this episode. And if you did, please let me know by sending feedback. You can find us on Instagram at Train Happy Podcast. Or even better, it would be amazing if you could rate and review the podcast on whichever platform you're listening, as it really, really helps to support and boost the Train Happy message. And remember, if you have had a recent moment where this stuff has just started clicking for you, then share your story with us via email, trainhappypodcast at gmail.com to become the train happy trooper of the week. And if you have a burning question you would like me to answer, then please send those in too. And it may be answered in our bonus Q&A episodes. Once again, thank you for listening and I will speak to you soon. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.